This podcast is gold. Basketball gold. You're tuned into the best Cleveland Cavaliers podcast in all the land. Basketball gold. Hosted by Mike Fratello and Jeff Phelps. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Basketball Gold with Fratello and Phelps. He's Fratello, former NBA head coach, NBA color analyst, Mike Fratello. I'm Jeff Phelps. I am in my home. All good for me. Mike, you haven't seen home in a couple of weeks. How's the great Fratello adventure of November doing? It's amazing how quickly you run out of things like T-shirts and socks and underwear. (laughs) Need to take them out and get them washed and dried and folded and then replace them so you still have something to use at the end of the trip. But it's uh, it's about time for me to get home. I'm kind of anxious to get back. But I've been out here with the Clippers. I've done six of their games and two of their studio shows. So it's been a long run. So let's just clear this up. I'm really hoping you're asking folks at the hotel if they do laundry and you're not like getting quarters and going down to the laundromat over by the Staples Center, are you? Or the former Staples Center? I found an organic cleaner. Nice. And it sounded good. You know, Jeff, <laughs> I can tell you what an organic cleaner is, but yeah, I don't know. it looked very impressive. So I actually took my stuff, put it in the bag, walked it down there, dropped it off, and came back the next day to pick it up. And it was washed, dried, folded. So I've been able to make it through the end of the trip. That's fabulous news. I'm very happy for you. I'm even more happy for your coworkers in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, I know they are. <laughs> well done on that. The uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, your former team, Northeast Ohio's pride and joy. Been going nuts because they had the big winning streak. Then they had the losing streak. They ended that losing streak, Mike, in an interesting kind of way. How in the world, and they beat the Charlotte Hornets. That's terrific. It only looks like a win in the win column. That's all you really need. You had a 10-point lead with 45 seconds on the clock. And this game went into overtime. And then it went into double overtime. And the bottom line is you got the win. You needed the win. You ever seen a game where you had a 10-point lead with about 45 seconds to go and you didn't close it out? That's tough. It's actually happened a couple times already this season, Jeff, to a number of different teams in the league. And one, it tells you the impact of the three-point shot. And you got me thinking about end-of-game packages. And what I mean by that is football has certain sets of plays that they use coming down the stretch, either to protect the lead, Uh, when they're out in front by three, by seven, by eight, uh, by nine, depending on what it is. Uh, What do they want to run? Who do they want in the game? And I'm wondering how many basketball coaches have packages for the last two minutes of a game, if they're up, winning by however many it might be, and who are the guys that are on the floor? Because there's a chance that the other team could start fouling you intentionally. Do you change your lineup and become a less potent team, taking someone out that's a poor foul shooter, or do you leave him on the floor and hope that he finally starts to make some of his uh, free throw attempts? Uh, But the package thing came into my mind for what plays do you run with his ball movement where they're not going to turn the ball over? Will you use up clock and wind up with a high percentage shot and the end of all that? And then, obviously, 
you always hope to get a defensive stop, kick it out, and can you get numbers in transition? And do you want to take those opportunities if they're there, or do you back it out to run some more clock? So time and score seems to determine uh, everything. Uh, And then foul situation, bonus situation, all that plays into it. But is it a shock that a team would lose a 10-point lead with 45 seconds to go? You hate to see it happen, but this is the NBA, and I've seen it already this year a couple times. So the good news, like you said, is they hung on and were able to walk away with a win uh, because I just keep thinking of the poor Jets coach yesterday with 20-something seconds on the clock when he decided to punt the ball away with the score tied 3-3, and the guy catches it and runs it back what, 84 yards for a touchdown yeah. to win the game. Just the look on the coach's face, it just breaks your heart. And that same thing happens with the NBA guys when they have a substantial lead, lose it, and wind up losing the game in overtime. Mike, in, in the Cavs situation, obviously, you know, Donovan Mitchell changes everything because the team is different and, and in so many ways. Is it a, is it a, learning how to play together type of thing? Or is that what happened against Charlotte? Just a fluky finish to a game. It's hard to answer that without being with the team every day, knowing what happens every day. Certain guys have the courage to take the last shot of every game with the game on the line. And that same person might be the one who, as the other team is closing in, says in his mind, look, I'm the guy that's going to carry this team and I'm going to make the next bucket. He tries to do something he shouldn't do and he loses the ball and has to turn over and the other team goes down and winds up scoring and cuts into the lead even more. So sometimes the competitiveness of the situation, uh, the lack of trust in teammates that perhaps he doesn't know well enough yet. And I'm not saying that's what's happening with Donovan Mitchell by any means. He has been terrific with his teammates. But I'll give you examples of what could take place and what happens in other places where guys are new. They don't know who they can trust on the team yet down the stretch because, as we know, there are a lot of guys that run away from the basketball at the end of games. It's it's like the fielder in baseball that's saying to himself, please don't hit me. Okay, a ground ball, uh, bottom of the ninth inning, you know, bases loaded, runners on, and, Go hit it to that guy over there at third base or at second base. Well, I don't want it hit to me right now. Well, same thing happens in basketball. Some guys want that ball at the end. Others don't. Then a win over the Miami Heat, a Heat team that's struggling, Mike. And you saw the starters' minutes get dropped a little bit, which was nice because the Cavaliers were in control of this game. Uh, The bench came through a little bit. Jetty Osmond had a nice game for the Cavaliers. Uh, 20 points in 37 minutes. And Isaac Okoro had a 13-point game, which was terrific to see in 29 minutes. You you get a game like that every once in a while. How do you find consistency now, Mike? You had a a big winning streak. You've had a losing streak. You've had a couple of wins now. One you almost gave away, but two teams that have been struggling a little bit. At this early point of the season still, about 16 games in, how does a team find consistency? Well, you go back and you look at the games that you lost and you you find out what was missing in those games. What happened? Did we not shoot the ball well? Did we have 25 turnovers in the game? Did we get pounded on the glass? Uh, Did our defense let us down? And then you look for the consistency of the guys. You just mentioned two names here that contributed points, and that's what the coach is looking for, night in and night out. 
the good teams know who's going to give them what almost every night of the season. doesn't happen every night. All-star players have a bad night every so often. But that's where you look for the guys who are around you to pick up their games on those nights, realize that, hey, our star is struggling tonight and you need some help, and that's me. Uh, when they were on that losing streak, what happened with the Cavs was not only were they having breakdowns with their defense, but guys that you mentioned, Jetty, for example, mm-hmm. they need him to come off that bench. He supplied them that energy early in the season. And what's happened in the past couple of years, he's had a tendency to get off to good starts to, you know, to begin the season. And then he fades when he gets to that halfway mark and he can't do that. Uh, they need him. They rely on his energy. They rely on him driving the ball to the basket, making three-point shots when they swing him the ball. They need his hands in there defensively coming up with deflections and steals. So if it happens where one or two guys wind up disappearing that the head coach is counting on, it obviously causes a problem in the team, the, the nature of the makeup of the coach. So what does the coach do? Does he take that guy out of the lineup and not play him? Does he turn to somebody else? And I think most coaches tend to trust the guys they've made the decisions with, and they'll live through X number of bad games. There does come a point some, somehow where you say, we, we've got to make a move with the eighth man or seventh man, whoever it might be. Let's try so-and-so in that position. Depending on the depth of your team, do you have somebody to turn to? You may not have a guy to put in there to take the guy who's been struggling for the last four or five games. That next guy up may be way worse than the guy you have. So you just live with it and you hope he breaks out of it. Kevin Love, a little bit of an injury situation. He's going to miss a little bit of time. Uh, We had Donovan Mitchell out for a while. You had Darius Garland out for a while. They've missed a couple of games. Early on, Mike, when you're trying to bring in a new guy and mesh this thing, is that is that a real challenge or is it, okay, we're, we're going to get there eventually. And this gives other guys more of a chance to play a little bit. Uh, is it a positive or a negative? I'm wondering, I would well, think negative, you, Mike. Let me ask you this. I'll, I'll throw a curveball yeah. to you. Is that guy that you're talking about right there? Is he a guy that's on the roster now that you're putting into that position or are you going out and bringing somebody else in from another team that's coming in? Which one of those? You mean to fill in for the injury? Do a deal, sign a free agent that got cut, or somebody that was in Europe that came back. Which one? Which one do you want to take there? Moving a guy up, maybe the eleventh man or the tenth man or the ninth man, moving them up into the rotation, or Mm. is it going out and trying to fix the problem by getting a new person on the roster? I would think it's just playing guys who are a little deeper on the roster. If in fact you have those kind of guys. And and maybe that keeps chemistry from building a little bit early on in the season. You know, it's it's clear that that there's some real talent there. But, you know, Karis LeVert's been up and down. Jetty Osmond, the whole bench production's been up and down. You've been looking for that guy at three. And I, I give, you know, I, I give J.B. Bickerstaff credit and trying some different things there. But I, I think he's had to, Mike, because of the injury situation and just trying to find some consistency. No. Didn't it seem like all was going so well when the front line was uh, Allen at the center position, Mobley at the power forward spot, and Wade at Mm -hmm. that small forward position? That seemed to be a good bunch going there. Wade did his thing, made jump shots, defended. They were able to switch a lot of positions. 
The other two guys were able to pound the glass, get offensive rebounds, second shot opportunities, protect the rim at the defensive end, and then injuries set in. And when the injuries set in, then you start to shuffle bodies, shuffle people around into those positions to try and come up with closer to performance that your starter can, but it's not the same guy. The starter's out, the next guy you say, man up. Well, you've got to be ready mentally to handle that, handle the number of minutes that you're going to get, depending on how much the coach wants to use you. And then productivity-wise, let's just use weight as an example. The guy at 6'10 can make threes from the corner, and when you're throwing the ball, you expect that he's got a pretty good chance of going in if he shoots it. When you lose him, who's the next guy that you can put in that spot? You can't go with Kevin Love, Mobley, and Allen as a front line for a long period of time just because of mobility. It goes to the three you know, big guys. Uh, Wade, a little more mobile, little, moves his feet a little bit better than those other guys against smaller players. So the coach has a problem trying to figure all that out.